Two Truths and a Lie, the series that looks at real-life issues and picks apart what's true and what's not. Welcome back. I'm Gila Ross, host of the Power Up podcast, where we cut through the chase and talk about real things that can impact and upgrade our everyday lives. Before I introduce you to this week's fabulous guest, who I think you're going to love, I just wanted to take a moment to thank you. So many of you have reached out to tell me how much you've gotten out of the podcast, and I can't tell you how much it means to me. Sometimes podcasting is a bit of a lonely experience, especially when I'm doing solo um, episodes, but even when I have a guest on, sometimes it just feels like you're talking in an empty room, because really, that is what podcasting is. But when I put it out there, and you respond, and you send me messages, and you reach out to me and tell me how much you're getting from it, it means the world to me. Thank you. Javi Brooke is a mum of five from Montana, and I think you're going to love her as much as I do. All right, welcome, everyone. We are super, super excited to have Javi in the studio with us today. So Javi is a mom from Montana. She lives in Montana with her five adopted kids and I met her over Instagram. And I instantly fell in love with her account, the way she shows her kids, her lives. And it was just like, I, I, when, I, when I saw her account, I was like, I need to speak to her. I need to get her on the podcast. We need to hear more about it. So welcome Javi. We're really, really excited to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Thank you. Um, why don't you start by telling us a little, telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Okay, so I am 37 years old. I live in Bozeman, Montana. My husband and I um, have a um, Chabad house. And what that is, is a Jewish outreach center where we um, are a central location and uh, destination for any Jew in Montana or visitor that wants to connect with their Judaism in any way, in a small way, in a big way. And so that's what we do and um, we love it. Bozeman is awesome and beautiful and the people are awesome and beautiful as well. Um, my husband, we, we've been living there for over 14 years. We've been married for over 15 years. And we um, have been, early on in our marriage, we were diagnosed with permanent infertility. And that um, has changed the trajectory of our life and how we thought our life was going to be. But we pivoted and we uh, figured out how to... Um, live the best life with what God has um, provided. And we decided to grow our and build our family through adoption. And we have now five adopted kids and it is beautiful, hard, painful, glorious, tragic, all at once, you know, like it's all the feelings. So um, I, I started to share more about my story. I have a blog. Um, called clearasma.blog and on Instagram where I just share my musings and my um, my experiences through my own lens like I'm not here to tell anybody how to do things how to feel what's right what's wrong it's just 
how I um, move through this world and deal with the um, unique set of challenges that I have. So, so wow, that is quite, quite the journey. Um, so tell us a little bit more about the five kids that you've adopted. Yes, okay, so uh, literally like each, I can write a book about each adoption and each process and each experience and continued experiences. So very briefly, our, um, we adopted our first child almost 12 years ago. Um, she was born in Russia. Um, nine weeks early and with very severe medical complications. And she was brought to the United States for medical treatment. And then um, was um, her birth mom decided that, you know, that was too, it wasn't going to work and was, um, well, she wanted to have her child adopted. And by a lot of miracles, we were contacted and we adopted her, you know, I want to say 11 and a half years ago. She's awesome. She's doing beautifully. She's having a bas mitzvah in August and um, she was our first. And then uh, uh, 10 months later, we adopted um, ZC, who was our second child, who um, took us on a journey of her own. She has like a rare genetic disorder. Uh, called GLUT1 and her very, very briefly, her brain doesn't process glucose, which means her brain isn't fueled properly. Um, and it affects the whole brain, including seizures and developmental delays and all that kind of stuff. Took us five years to figure out what was happening because it's very rare and it's hard to diagnose, but um, we did. And she's on a ketogenic diet, a medical version of ketogenic diet, which is not the fad version. And she's doing also wonderfully. My son is eight. He, um, we adopted him in Baltimore or Maryland and he is black. So he adds another diverse dimension to our family briefly. And then um, my daughter Shoshana, who's just turned 17, we adopted her at 12, um, five years ago. So that was a whole very unique experience and very, very beautiful, but very challenging. It's very different to adopt a baby and different to adopt almost a fully developed human, you know, with um, 12 years of, you know, previous experiences, mostly negative, you know? Wow. So, and then my daughter, Hanalea, who's almost four, we adopted her. She was born in Montana. And um, she's our youngest. So that's like uh, in like the briefest form I can pull off, but there's a lot there, you know? Wow, so much respect because, um, wow, I, I, I'm sure, as you said, you could write a book about each one and each, each child is, is, this, is their story of, of their adoption and, and how they joined your family. And I'm sure how they fit in, into, into your family. Um, how do you go about integrating this I mean this this diverse family that you have like you know a lot of regular families um I don't know um how you like to to refer to that we struggle with with our kids and and getting on and 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 here you've got an older child coming into the family and and children from all over 
what tips, what strategies do you <laughs> to form this, to, to, to build, as you said, build a family from, from these beautiful yeah. individuals? You know, it's a really good question because I think, um, it's a, to me, it's a two-part answer. First of all, it's on the one hand, it's you, you do the things you do. Like on the one hand, it's like a regular family, right? Like everyone, you know, everyone has their personalities. Everyone has their things. It's busy. It's hard, whatever. But I, w I would say that there is a very, uh, there's a huge added dimension to that. And, um, I, my, my biggest thing right now is, um, intent, like just being intentional, like what is my end goal? Right. And so that has helped me through a lot of things because sometimes we get so stuck in a certain scenario or a certain, like, this is right, this is wrong, or I want my children to have this value, or I want them to, you know, behave, or, and I want them to do this and I want them to be successful. And, and sometimes we get so stuck or we're, we're, we're teaching them a lesson or disciplining or whatever. And I sometimes have to stop myself and be like, well, what's my end goal here? What, are, what am I trying to accomplish as a whole? And that has really helped in um, a lot of the decisions that I make. So to answer your question, I have to be really intentional about how I want my family to connect. And it doesn't always come naturally. And there is a lot of, you know, um, there's a lot of stuff and there's a lot of deep feelings. And let me tell you, like, it's a big deal that Chaya was the oldest and then wasn't. And that brings up a lot of stuff that has to be addressed. It has to be talked about. It has to be worked through. It has to be validated. Um, and there's a lot of, um, all of them, you know, I, I always kind of laugh when people say, but you know, all kids have different personalities and all kids are so different. Sometimes you'd never know they come from the same parents, but the fact of the matter is, is that in general, you know, you have families. Yes. There's a lot of diverse families out there with you know stepchildren or, you know, there's a lot of ways to build a family now, but if you're taking the typical nuclear family, they're coming from two parents with the same genetics. And even though kids are different, you don't realize how big of a role having the same genetics play. And it is extremely different to have five children with completely genetic makeups. And when most of that is a mystery, you don't even have information. So you don't even know what you're working with and what, what are some of the things that are um, coming from genetics or coming from, a, you, know, um, you know, generational trauma or whatever. Like there's so many things there that you don't even know. And I just can tell you from experience, I, I, I can't tell you scientifically and I can't tell you all the studies, but I can tell you from living it that having a family with five kids with completely different set of genetic makeup is a big deal. And it's not the same as having kids with different personalities. Um, it's just, isn't. And um, it just takes a lot of intention and a lot of work. And I just wrote a blog post about traveling. And that's one of the ways that I really um, use to build our family connection, um, taking family trips, having experiences together, having to do hard things together, having to problem solve together. And at home, as much as you can do that, um, when there's a, you know, there's schedule, there's school, there's work, we're all distracted, we're all busy, we're all kind of just getting, you know, living our lives. I think the the 10 days or the week, or even like I said, last, you know, last week we took a, we took a two day trip, you know, 
And those trips are, are very, very intentional on my part. And I do them to build our family connection to intentionally, you know, work together. And it doesn't come by itself. Like, you know how a marriage like takes work, right? And you know, I mean, a marriage doesn't coast, right? Like you want it to continue to grow with you and work with you. You have to put the work into it. Um, it's, I feel it's the same with your family. You want your family to feel like they can count on one another, that we're connected, that we, that we're a family. It takes work. You have to put the work into it. It's, it's true. I'm listening to you and, and a couple of things really struck me because I never really thought about it before you listen to it. But sometimes, you know, with my own kids, they'll do something and I'll be like, that comes from like, I'll turn around to my husband. I'll be like, that comes from you. And it's mm-hmm. the way we react to it because we sort of feel, oh, you know, whatever. He turns out right where you don't have that with an adopted child. So and I can see, like, people are always like, what, what, what is it? Nature versus nurture, right? And it, there's always this big discussion. And, and I just, I, it's, a, it's a silly discussion because it's, it's both. But I, I think people, like, especially when they talk to adopted families with adopted children, they want to tell you, oh, it's nurture versus nature, nurture, nurture, nurture. And I'm like, you know, yes, it's nurture is important, but you cannot disregard nature you can't disregard from who they came and I can tell you I see it you know with my I especially see it with my son and this is this is just it is what it is it's a fact he has things in him that you know are are ingrained in him generationally and the way he moves the way he has rhythm the way he dances the way he what he connects to, what he gravitates towards. These are, these, these are not things that he's knowing it from at home. It's not our culture, right? And it just is inborn in him. You can't tell me that that doesn't play a role. And whether you want to say it's a, you know, a stereotype or this or that, you could say whatever you want to say. There are certain things that our, our child is, in, is born with that instead of ignoring it instead of saying it doesn't play a role uh, pay attention to it enhance it recognize it let him explore it like this is who he is like and and accept it and and um and embrace it and I just feel very strongly about that because it's the worst thing to ignore you know the nature and who they feel like and who they feel that they are regardless of what family they're living in Right. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to like the, the principle that you, you know, we, we know in, in Jewish um, thought that educate your child according to their way so that when they get older, they, they, they'll, they'll stay with your values. Because if you ignore who they are, you, you can't do that, right? You've got to work with who they are. Um, it's tricky. It's such a, tr- it's complicated and it's tricky and it's, and it's big, but the principle, like, that I mean, if all if only we can just put aside all our, you know, desires and wants and 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 all the things of how they should be like, that's the ideal way, right? Right. T- tell me a little bit more about your son, because um, I mean, you you said you're a Chabad family. What what's it like as a as a Chabad, you know, an Orthodox family raising a? a, a you said he's 
black or biracial i, I can't remember what he's he biracial biracial. He's biracial but he's you know he's black and um uh you know him and what's it like for you <laughs> So it's a good question. Um, I can't answer what it's like for him, but I can tell you that as he gets older, he definitely um, is is really exploring more. And I think he's feeling more that, that he's looks different and unique. And when he was a baby and a kid and a toddler, like it was irrelevant, you know, like it didn't matter. And um, as he's getting older, he is, it does matter to him. Like he is looking for the connection. He's looking for people that look like him. He, he, he's craving that, like um, that familiar familiarity, you know, like, and he, and he connects to people like who look like him, like, like, like Nissan Black, who's his favorite singer. Like he's a Jewish singer who's a black rapper and it speaks to his soul right and these are the things that you know this is his own discoveries and his own like this is this is what he gravitates towards and we and we have we honor that um I think you know as a Chabad family with the diverse family like it is what you make it right so and it, I always say the energy you put out is the energy you get back so it's a very it's a very positive experience it's it's beautiful. It's, um, it is just, it is what, you know, it's our life. So it is what it is. And people can, you know, judge it. They can be, they can respect it. They can be inspired by it. It doesn't really matter. Right. To me, you know, um, because I'm going to live my life the way that honor my values and, um, the way I, you know, feel true and, just the what I am putting out in this world and whether you feel like it's inspiring or it's ridiculous you know I really try not to let that be a part of my journey and I do I do I'm very open about our lives because I, I always tell I always like say and also to my kids and whatever it's like you know, when you, when you keep a secret, it's usually something that you're not proud of. And I'm not talking about like a surprise, right? There's a difference between a surprise and a secret, but a secret is something that you either feel ashamed about, or you don't want anybody to know. And that's why my journey, my infertility journey, my adoption journey, the journey of my children and their mental health journey and their, you know, um, attachment and, you know, trauma journey. Like these are things that we talk about, not in detail, right? Not to talk about these things. You don't have to know every single detail. You don't have to know every single personal private detail because there's also a difference between privacy and secrets, right? But when you can talk about the challenges that you're facing um, and it's not secret, it is huge. It is huge because first of all, adding a secret to already challenging situation is another huge additional burden, which isn't necessary. Um, and I always tell my kids, like people always say, well, how do you know what to share about your kids? Right. Um, how do you know the boundaries and whatever? I was like, it takes work. And sometimes I fail and sometimes I make mistakes, but in general, my rule is, is that I, anything that I want them to be proud of, anything I don't want them to be ashamed of is something that I share. So whether it's their adoption journey or, their journey when if they have to do something special for their mental health or my infertility journey like if I don't want them to grow up being ashamed of it 
then it's something that we talk about because we should be proud of the things that we do. We should, we should be proud of the hard things that we, that we do. And it doesn't have to be something that we keep to ourselves and feel shame about. That, that, that's a very, very good point that, yes, I, I like what you're saying that, you know, the things that we want to, we don't want to be embarrassed about. Yes, we can share them. And I think also as our kids get older, they, 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 they're very clear with us what, what, we, oh, can, yeah. what we can't share. <laughs> Yeah. And there was, there was a, a situation where I shared something about one of my daughters, um, which I felt was appropriate. Um, but she felt differently and she was able to tell me that she said, listen, I really don't feel comfortable. Um, and I said, okay, I honor that. And I respect that. And I'm sorry that I, that I overstepped a boundary. Um, and thank you for sharing. Right. And I'll do better next time. Yeah. So as they get older, they definitely do have more of of an opinion and more and a voice and it definitely definitely needs to be honored. But I also tell my kids, I'm like, this is not only your story, it's my story too, right? So sometimes kids will get very possessive and be like, you can talk about that. And I'm like, you know what? Certain things, it's my story too, right? And I do get to decide certain things that I get to talk about, you know, that that involve me, that involve you in a peripheral way. So they don't, you nobody has complete control over their own story. And I think that's okay. Like we have to understand and realize that our stories, we don't live in a vacuum. We don't have, your story doesn't happen in a bubble that doesn't affect other people. And my, you know, do you get what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's, it's complicated. And at least if we're open and we talk about it, you figure it out. Right. I think, I mean, one of the things that I find, because, um, I also have a large family like yourself is that one of the things that's nice is that sometimes you can hide sort of the anonymity of of the kids right so you can share a story about one of my children <laughs> and and so the child isn't sort of as exposed but oh for sure for yeah, sure no I, I i i yes i do hear that that idea of of you know it's i guess it's the balance between right protecting their their privacy and i think also as they um, do you have any teenagers yet? Yes, you have. Yes, I have a 17-year-old. Right. Oh, oh, for sure. So you, you yeah. know, when they're teenagers, like, forget it. You mustn't say. And, and one who's turning 12, like, let me tell you, that's a special age. <laughs> that is just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, don't tell anyone, but it's my least favorite age, like 11, 12. It like, really is. It's yeah. so hard. It's yeah. so hard. Um. um yeah. Back, to, back to your son has he has he encountered any racism you know I I want to say there's a difference between kids and people saying things that are insensitive to racism you know I think he has encountered some ins insensitivities um maybe from kids who are just super innocent and exploring and like you know don't mean negatively but could be offensive to him um and that's something that we talk about all the time i don't think we've encountered any inherent racism like somebody who really doesn't believe black people are 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 worthy or equal of everything as the same as a white person i don't think we've encountered that but he did you know he has some, he has had some incidences in school like he came home from school one day and you know, it was a very interesting story in it, and it was complicated to try to pick up, pick it apart, but they were learning about, it was during, around Martin Luther King time, and they were learning about the whole, like, Rosa Parks era, right, and uh, the, you know, how it worked with the 
segregation and the buses and and then they went on a field trip and one of the kids in the class said you know if this was he said like last year right because their their concept of time is right. right um you would have to sit in the back of the bus right and many was like what like and I think it did affect him and he came home and we talked about it, but was that comment racist? I really don't think so. I think that comment was they were learning about segregation. Here there is a black kid in his class and they're, they're applying what they learned and saying, you know, by the way, a long time ago, like you would have had to sit in the back of the bus and it's true. That is unfortunately the truth. So was it something that needed to be addressed and talked about and made, probably made him feel kind of yucky? Yes, but was it coming from inherent racism? I don't think so, you know? So those are things that, and I also don't think it's positive for your, anytime your kid encounters um, an insensitive comment or something that's difficult for them to process to say, oh my God, that's racist. That kid was racist, and you know, like, I don't think that that's beneficial to your kid. Like, I think it's important for your kid to know, you know, sometimes kids say things that are insensitive and they don't realize. And it's our job to tell that person that that really hurt your feelings or that was insensitive and it's not appropriate to say, you know, like there are ways to go about it without like blanket statement. Anyone who says anything that's hurtful is automatically a racist. Yep, I hear that. And, and <clears throat> look, a comment like that obviously is specific to a child who looks different from the from his peers but I think any parent or I'm going to go on a limb here and suggest that any parent who's parenting a child their child has come across an insensitive statement at, at some point for sure for sure whether you're fat or whether you have pimples or whether you know you you dress weird I mean like for sure or, or, or anything you bring like the wrong snack for school or whatever right so exactly what, you totally any do you have any like tips um for parents because i really like the balance that you bring to it so what sort of tips do you have to give to parents of how to i think it's a children, um process the insensitive comments that they may get you know i, I we t we talk about this so so much at home because I, I have some kids that are very sensitive. And I also have some kids that, um, it's a different topic, but I have some kids that um, don't like embellish stories a little bit because the kid, a child will say something hurtful or, or they, or a child would, will say something maybe in, a little insensitive and um, it makes them feel a certain way. So then, they relay the story on how and and say it as how they felt but not exactly what was said and we have a very big thing in our family is it's important your feelings are important and valid but there's a difference between what was said and how you feel about what was said because you know and then i come back to the school i'm like this and this happened and and it's not a reality and the truth is a kid can say something that ne doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily insensitive or hurtful, but triggered my child in a certain way. And that's not that kid's fault, right? And we can't put all our feelings on other people. We need to take responsibility for how we feel about something and, um, and know how to differentiate between those two. So that is a huge discussion in our house. And usually when my kid comes home and says a story, I will, 
I will verify. I will try, you know, to trust, but verify, right? I will, I have to dig. I, I can't just take anything at face value in my house. So I will say, huh, wow, that sounded that, that, that sounded hard. It sounds like you feel really hurt. Okay. Now let's go back. You know, what was said? Okay. You know, and kind of be, I have to be a little bit of an investigator because the challenge is that your child wants you to be their advocate, right? And they want you to do something about if they were hurt. And I've learned that if I'm going to be an advocate for them, I've also got to know the story. And I can't just all of a sudden walk into a school with guns blazing and saying this and this and this happened when it's not the reality. So I've learned to be an advocate for my child, but also hold them responsible and say, you can't just blame people and put your feelings on how you feel on somebody else. So that's a, that's first and foremost, it's differentiating what was said and how you feel about what was said. Now, that's such an important skill. Cause I think even as it is adult, huge and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's, it takes practice Yeah, because it takes a lot of practice and you know, it is, and usually like I can get to the bottom of it. And usually, honestly, like it's about how they feel about themselves. It's how they're feeling about themselves. And they, it's easier to put that on somebody else than to own that. Um, and so we talk about that a lot. And, I, and, and, I, and I, at the end, it's always the, the how they feel is always valid. I say to my child, I'm like, that is 100% okay to feel. It's not okay to say that about somebody else that they did that to you, or it was, you know, like, so it's important for them to know that there's no wrong feelings. If they're feeling that way, that needs to be addressed. If they're feeling like, I'll give an example, like, and this happened many years ago. So there's really no way of knowing which, which kid it was, but, (laughs) but one of my children came home saying that this kid said to them that because they're adopted, it's, they don't really have a family. They don't really have a family because they're adopted. I'm like, I was like, that's so weird because like, I really cannot imagine anybody in that class or in that school saying that, like, and it just like, was, I was like, I was real. I'm like, so I did a little investigation and I'm like, huh, like that is so interesting. And I, and turns out that nobody ever said that nobody ever said that not even close. It was my child's way of telling me that this is how they feel. Right. Wow. And, and it's a lot easier to say, somebody said that to say, Hey mom, I don't feel like I have a family because I'm adopted. Right. It's a lot easier to be like, this was said to me and I'm very hurt. Right. And so that opened up an ability to have a conversation about what's really going in in, deep inside of them. But if I were to just take everything at face value and oh my gosh. And what is my, someone said this to my child, I would have missed the point. I would have been so busy trying to discipline and make sure that that kid was, you know, whatever. And I would have missed the whole point of what was really happening. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Right. Cause it's not about the, right. It's about, so I, I just urge parents like whenever, you know, and some kids are really like, you can take what they say at face value and are not complicated. I do not have that luxury. Not one of my kids is like that can never take what they say at face value. I always have to know and see, well, what's behind that? What's behind what they're saying? And I urge parents to be, sometimes it's not about what they're saying. It's about what, why they're saying what they're saying. Yeah. And if you just pause for a second and try to get a little deeper, um, sometimes it's 
exactly what you don't imagine, or we have to focus on the, the exact thing that we, you know, that we would automatically think we need to be focusing on. Well, yeah, that, that, that is, that is such, such a good point, right? To sort of, sort of tweak. And I think also our kids learn so much by, by learning to differentiate what actually happened and how that made them feel, right? We've run out of time, but don't worry, because next week we're going to be back with more incredible wisdom from Javi. So watch out for it. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I'd love to hear your thoughts and your feedback. You can get in touch with me. You can find me on Instagram. It's Gilla Ross. And please take a moment to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out. Thank you for your time and have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm.